From Centered, welcome to the Take Root Podcast, where our purpose is to share testimonies that encourage you to deepen your roots of faith. Join host Karen Johnson to hear stories of those who have experienced God directing their own lives to a deeper, engaged faith. It is truly amazing to me that we are already starting season two of the Take Root Podcast. And I cannot begin to tell you how blessed I have been hearing from many of you that the stories on this podcast have impacted your lives in some very special ways. So let's continue this adventure together. There are so many more amazing stories to share. It is our prayer that sharing what God has written in the lives of his people will continue to encourage and challenge you to grow your roots of faith ever deeper. Ephesians 3.17 says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Thank you again for being on this journey with me, and please do share the podcast with some friends. So here we go with season two. Well, hello, friends. It is such a joy for me to introduce you today to Margot Jarvis Engberg, who is president and CEO of Pinkabella Cupcakes and PB Franchising. This woman has a heart of gold, and that is really where her story begins of becoming an amazing entrepreneur. Margot is what is called a social entrepreneur, which is someone who uses the profits of their business to help solve community-based problems. And she is passionate about this. You might say she's changing the world one cupcake at a time. Margot is married to her wonderful husband, Doug, and they're the parents of four adopted children and have also helped I believe raised several nieces and nephews. So welcome to you, Margot. It is so great to see your smile that just lights up a room. Oh, thank you. Good to see you too. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time to do this today. Of course. And if you would, would you please just tell us a little bit about you and your story of coming to faith in Jesus? As, as Karen said, I am the mother of five. I'm raising my nephew oh. at the current moment. So okay. Okay. we've had him for six years and he's a senior in high school. Wow. Um, so our goal was to get him through high school and now he wants to go on to college. So we're really excited. Um, awesome. Wow. We, I, I was raised in Snohomish, Washington. Mm-hmm. I was not raised in a Christian home. I was raised, um, I mean, my parents weren't anti-God, but they Mm -hmm. didn't have any involvement with church whatsoever. So Mm -hmm. my journey began as a little girl when I would get on a Sunday school bus that drove through the neighborhood. Oh my gosh. I dream of that today, wishing people still did that. Like buses picked up kids to take them to church. Um, Otherwise I would have had no way to go to church. What Um, a great idea. Yeah. So they picked us up and it was almost like my memory of it was like, they vacation Bible school, but every Sunday morning. So the bus would come through the neighborhood, picking up the kids, take us to church. And then of course, because we were involved in that church, people that worked there, they were, they really were missionaries because they knew, Hmm. they knew we needed them. And so then they followed up with us and got involved in, got us going to vacation Bible school in the summer. But, um, one particular lady, um, I wish I could find her today. I've always Uh. thought about her. Um, she really reached out to my parents, like tried to get my parents to come to church and my family loved her. They thought she was the neatest lady. Um, I just remember her first name was Darlene, but she made such an impact on me. Um, Hmm. getting on that Sunday school bus every morning or every Sunday morning and 
little did she know the trauma that was going on in my home. Um, mm. that really it was exactly what I needed was wow. her and them. So I did that for, um, I think four or five years, maybe wow. second or third grade up until fourth or fifth grade. Mm. Then we moved, um, my family moved away. And of course I didn't have a Sunday school bus anymore. I didn't have a way to get to church, but, um, we moved out to Maltby and <laughs> then, um, my freshman year, I was getting on a school bus and, um, met a girl who was her first day in that school district because she came from King's high school and, little did I know God, I mean, God, God had it all mapped out. He, um, the night before she got on the bus, her parents had, and her had said a prayer that she would meet a really special friend. Hmm. And it was me. Um, I still get emotional oh. when I talk about it because really, I feel like her family is the reason I am where I am today oh, because wow. they were, parents to me they were hmm. they were god to me really like hmm. they invited me in their home and i spent more nights there than i spent at my own home i ate dinner with them i went to church with them wow. but she prayed for a special friend but god gave me <laughs> that special friend so uh. it was so amazing just to see how god had his hand on my life since i was a little girl second grade that's I mean, so beautiful I know he's had his hand on us our whole lives, but really shepherded me. Like he really walked with me and held me through trials and tribulations. And so I was able to um, accept the Lord sitting at the table with my friend, even though I think every Sunday I raised my hand to the <laughs> Lord for four years. Uh -huh. um, and I don't think it was that I wasn't sure I was saved. I just wanted to be sure. <laughs> Amika um, Shura. <laughs> exactly. So oh. I did that every Sunday for many years. Oh. And then when I was sitting in their home and we prayed at the table, I knew that that was really my moment. Like when um. people talk about when was that moment for you? It was, it was truly that I got really involved in young life hmm. in my high school. Uh -huh. So my friend and I, my girlfriend and I, we ended up going to different high schools, um, just by proximity where we live. Hmm. So we didn't get to, we're still neighbors, but we went to different high schools. And hmm. um, by then she had her own friends and I had my own, but we were never, we, we were never not close. She was my best wow. friend my whole life. We would see each other after school. We'd get together on weekends. And what's her name? Lisa Nicholson, hmm. or Lisa Nicholson. She's Lisa Carroll now. Mm -hmm. And her mom and dad are Ruth and Ernie Nicholson. And they were truly truly parents to me. I mean, wow. they were there for all of it. Everything wow. I went through, we had a, again, a lot of trauma in my home. Hmm. So again, God put them in our lives and they tried to help my parents as well. They were wow. ministering to my family and um, even my siblings who didn't really know Ernie and Ruth looked up to them when they would come around. They had a lot of respect for them because they were just such godly people and um that was really where I feel like I got the most spiritual growth was during those years um mm. at that time they attended a they had church home or home churches uh -huh. so we went to a church on Sunday but then they had 
small groups. So I was a part of this really large, amazing Christian family because now Aunt Rita was my aunt and Aunt mm-hmm. Claudia was my aunt. And yeah, yeah. Oh. The Lord and, mm-hmm. and they loved me. And truly, that was where I felt the most love. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when we say certain people are God with skin, yep. definitely they were God with skin. But I wow. think it set the tone for the rest of my life to the way that I love people. Yeah. Um, I've always had a really um, heart for the disenchanted or, or uh, the lonely. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that stems from my own loneliness, but um, so mm-hmm. I've always had a, a need to take care of people or bring people in or surround mm-hmm. ourselves with people. And there's always a really cool story that comes out of that. Yeah. What, what a great lesson for all of us. Just the impact, just loving on one child that God puts in your path. Mm-hmm. And now look at the difference. Look at the ripple effects that yeah. from that in your yeah. life to so many people. That's yeah. what a beautiful story. You know, I just to share this real quick. I remember when, so I came from, again, my family, they were out, al- they were alcoholics. They, mm-hmm. my parents smoked and I'm sure I always smelled like a, an ashtray mm-hmm. when I went to school. But um, I remember mm-hmm. when my daughter started hanging out with a little girl that was now in hindsight, I call her little Margo because I remember thinking, Oh, I don't want her to go to her house. Like Uh. she can come here, but I don't want her to go over there. And I imagine there were so many people that felt that way about me growing Mm -hmm. up. Like, I don't want her going over to your house, but she can come over here. And I'm just so Mm -hmm. thankful that no matter what I came from or who I was, they loved me. And when I met, when I first saw my daughter wanting to hang out with this girl all the time, I had a lot of reservations because mm-hmm. I knew some things that were going on in her home and I didn't want her to be a bad influence, but God really convicted me. Mm. And, um, that's mm. when I remember thinking, Hmm, that's little Margot. Yeah. So it changed me and it changed the way mm. I responded to my kids having friends mm-hmm. that maybe I wouldn't want them to hang out with. It was right. It was really cool. Wow. That's, that's just beautiful. Wow. And, and you have another, just, this is just such an amazing story. I love your story of, of your heart of gold, mm. really and truly your compassion for children who needed a family is what started your business. And would yeah. you tell us about that story? I believe it started in uh, Guatemala. Yeah. Yep. Would well, you- it started actually, it started here. Okay. Um, so I mentioned young life was a huge part of my life and my journey. Mm-hmm. And so I became a young life leader out of college. Mm-hmm. And after um, my first round of young life girls, um, about 10 years after I'd been a leader, one of, of a former young life girl came to me. I was married just a year, barely a year actually. Mm-hmm. And, um, she reached out to me and she, I had done, I was her young life leader many years before mm-hmm. kind of lost touch with her, but she was a girl. I took to camp, a girl that got saved at camp. Uh-huh. And, um, I mentored her all through high school, but then she went her own way. We lost touch. And then she called me one night in December and said that she wanted to, um, come over and see me that she was in town. 
and that she had had a baby girl and that she wanted me to meet her baby girl. Okay. I'm a huge baby lover (laughs) and uh, you can give me a baby any day of the week. I'll I'll go buy it clothes, everything. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. she brings the baby over and my husband was hesitant only because we were about to throw our annual, my annual Christmas party, which always well over a hundred people. Wow. And, um, he's like, okay, but you, you have a lot to do tonight. The party's Mm -hmm. tomorrow. And I'm like, I don't care. I said, I'll get it all done. And we'll just, it'll just be a couple hours. Cause Kelly wanted to know if I would watch the baby while she went to a craft store to just go do some crafting. And I thought, oh my gosh, she needs a break. I'd love to take this little baby. Um, but Kelly never came back. And, um, Jasmine is, is our first baby. And that was Kelly's daughter. Oh Um, my gosh. It's not like she never, ever came back. I mean, obviously there was a process and we had to go through it, Uh but she literally never took her home again after that night. And we didn't have a crib. We we were given a, a diaper bag and a baby. And I remember that night, um, when she called to say, Hey, do you want to keep her overnight? I, I just, I need a break. And I was like, yeah, we'll keep her overnight. And my husband just, I remember him saying, um, okay, but you're going to get up with her. <laughs> you're the one that's going to wake, get up in the night. And I'm like, oh, I'll so get up with her. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have a crib. So we actually put her in bed with us. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we, we knew enough about babies to know that you don't put them in between you because you could roll on them but um we actually slept through the baby slept through the night I don't know how but in the morning I -hmm. roll over to wake up and she's not there and I'm like oh my gosh and I'm looking around because I knew what my husband said you're the one that's going to get up with her (laughs) and so I go downstairs and he's sitting on a chair Hmm. and he's holding her and he said I love her. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And he said, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I think she's going to be our baby. Wow. And I'm like, Oh wow. That's a big stretch. The mom just needed a night off. (laughs) And, um, and sure enough, that was the beginning of a four-year fight. We ended up, um, the mom did come to a place where she was like, "I, I want you guys to be her guardians. So we were her guardians, Mm -hmm. but then she wanted us to adopt her. But the father who was a level three, three time sex offender in prison fought us. Gosh. Yeah. He fought us for uh, four years. So she was four years old by the time we actually were able to make it official. We had appeal after appeal after appeal in court. Cause he got to, he got to just keep appealing it. Um, Oh my gosh. The cool part though is that during that four years, we, we just became so keenly aware of so many children in need that for parents in a home. And, um, so we started to talk about adopting a sibling for Jazzy. Hmm. We didn't want to do it until we knew that the the court thing was over. Like we wanted to make sure we really got her. Yeah. I think we were so afraid of losing her that we didn't know what would happen. Yeah. And one of the best pieces of advice that were ever given to us was um, when others were criticizing us, you guys are going to get hurt. I'm, you're going to get hurt. You're going to be sorry because the mom's going to take her back. We, we heard all that mm. a million times, 
But um, one of our really good friends took Doug aside and he said, Doug, you need to love that little girl with reckless abandon. Mm. And um, mm. from that day on, we knew that even if we had her for five more minutes, we might be the only Jesus yeah. love she ever knows, right? Yes, yes. yes. So yeah. we did. We loved her. Like, mm. like we didn't know what was going to happen, but we were terrified, but we just kept loving her and pouring into her and pouring into her. Mm. And then four years later, she became our, our Edinburgh. So, um, we started the process to adopt a little girl, um, in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. And when we went to Guatemala to get the little girl, we met two older children on the elevator. They were with the facilitator and they asked if we were adopting them. And my husband out loud said, yes. And I was like, (laughs) I'm pretty sure they heard you. And And then um, the facilitator said, oh, no, 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 they're going to meet another family. Mm. So, um, and we're like, oh, great. That's awesome. We were so excited that they were going to, they had a family. Mm. But later that night when she called to check on the baby to see how the baby was doing, because the the kid stays with you in the room. Okay. um, Mm And she informed us that the family didn't want them. And Mm. we were crushed. We thought, Mm how could these kids be told over and over again that they're not wanted? They were then seven and nine. And so we said, wow. well, we want to take them, but we don't know how we're going to do it. We spent all of our money and mortgaged our house to fight for Jazzy. And then yeah. mm-hmm. with the money we had left over, we adopted the baby, which is Mia. Mm-hmm. And she said, no worries. We'll just do it two for one. And we were like, oh my gosh, like they're donuts or something or cupcakes. And, um, and we said, well, we don't even have two for one. We don't even have 30 grand. There's no way we, we don't have the money. Is there any other way we can do this? And, um, so the funny part of our story with our kids is that we put them on our credit card (laughs) and and who knew you could adopt kids on a credit card, but we did. (laughs) And, um, but God was so good we had so many moments that were, that was God, that was God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you worry about how much, if I can't even afford to pay the fee, how am I going to put a kid through college right. how am I gonna pay for a wedding? But we just came to a point where we're like their wedding doesn't matter. And a college doesn't matter. Like right, right. I paid for my own wedding. I paid my own way through college. It yep. didn't change my life. Um, having a home was all that really mattered. So right. We ended up um, moving forward, and and when we got the kids home, we found out that the two kids had never had a birthday party, and yeah. I couldn't fathom that because I was the party mom and loved throwing parties. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> so when I got them home, I was going to do all these big over-the-top parties, but we got them into the public school, really close to our neighborhood school in Kirkland. And we found out there were just tons of kids that couldn't afford treats on their birthday. And we were shocked. Like we live in Kirkland and, um, there's children that can't even bring cupcakes. And I don't know about you, but I grew Mm -hmm. up bringing treats on my birthday. Mm -hmm. So, um, I volunteered to be cupcake mom at the kids school. (laughs) I love it. And the request just came flying in for this kid and that kid. And I started making them really special, not, not just ordinary cupcakes. Cause I wanted them to be really awesome. Mm-hmm. And through that, I had friends going, Oh my gosh, these are amazing. 
will you make cupcakes for my kid's birthday? You know, they would do it for pay or whatever. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I went to Doug and I just said, I think we need to open a cupcake store. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, it was 2009. Mm. The economy was tanked. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and my selling points to him were, there were multiple vacancies at the mall and there were rent was at an all time low hmm. and they were letting people sign temporary leases. And he's like, oh. well, there's a reason for that. And I don't think <laughs> it's a good reason. And, but I, I, I penciled out the math and I gave him the whole spiel about how I only had to sell, sell 80 cupcakes a day to make the rent on opening day, um, October 31st, 2009, mm. we sold 2000 cupcakes. Oh, I love this story. Yeah. yeah, It gives me and chills. I know. And we had no idea what we were doing. We had complete strangers going out to get more flour and more sugar for us because <laughs> we sold out and we were back there baking, not, not a clue what we were doing, but it was so amazing because our, our whole dream was that we would be able to build a business that we could make money that would give back to organizations that helped kids in need yep. because through our adoptions and through those kids in our kids' school, we were so aware of the needs around us. Yeah. Um, and that's how Pinkabella was born. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. How, ma- how many people were there in the kitchen that first day to make 2000 cupcakes? Well, we didn't have 2000 to sell that day at all, but we had friends that volunteered to work that day. So we were all <laughs> excited about that. And, um, we just, I started telling people and I probably wasn't very sweet about it either. I'm like, if you can read and you can follow directions, you can bake. So <laughs> I had, uh, my husband in their baking. I had a good friend in their baking. Um, I think we did have a fair amount ahead of time. We knew we had a fair amount, but <laughs> we had to bake to catch up. And I remember that day going outside and I ran into a friend of mine and I literally started to cry. And I said, I'm happy crying, but I'm scared crying. Like, yeah, sure. I said, there's no way I can do this every day. I don't have any staff. And then we laughed because we're like, oh, like you're going to have 2000 people every day, right? Like <laughs> that's not going to be a thing right now. And but, you know, honestly, we never looked back. We opened mm. um, our next door six months later and six months later, we opened our third store, then our fourth. Wow. So, I mean, it was crazy. It was not a good economy. Mm-mm. And um, I was signing temporary leases all. And at this point, I was a pro. I knew what to say to Alderwood Mall and Bellevue Square, like, mm. hey, no one else is renting that space. Let me, let me do a temp lease and Mm -hmm. see how this works. And Mm -hmm. I kind of looked at it like my risks were going to be minimal. I didn't want to set up a bakery because I just wanted to rent a bakery just in case I, it failed. Mm -hmm. But on opening day, we sold enough cupcakes to write a check to an organization that we were involved with that helped kids in need, um, children Mm -hmm. of the nations. Wow. We opened, we wrote them a check for three grand And then I took the other three grand and another three grand and I uh, paid my rent ahead for the next month. And then I took another three grand and I bought a commercial mixer Ah. and I didn't have anywhere to put the mixer, but I was going to (laughs) start slowly buying equipment. But by the third month we were there, we weren't renting a bakery. We had a full, full bakery. We owned all of our equipment outright. We never took a loan out. 
we just paid as we went. And um, that, that was really a blessing to be able that to. That is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. It was, it was really a blessing to be able to yeah. do that. Wow. And one really cool part about that, the credit card story with our kids, <laughs> Yeah, when we got them home, um, I had a check in the mail when we came home, actually not when we brought them home, but we returned from Guatemala. There was a check in the mail for five grand and it was from Jazzy's birth grandpa who just said, Hey, I know you, it's, you spent a lot trying to adopt, just wanted help in some way. And we're like, wow, that was so amazing. And really it was great because it covered our trips to go see our kids. But, um, but the really cool part is, um, about six months into the process, we're waiting for our kids to come home. Hmm. Once in a blue moon, we'd have that thought, what have we done? <laughs> we 30,000 on a credit card hmm. and no kids to show for it yet. Wow. But um, we, I had had a business prior to the Pinkabella hmm. and um, actually I was currently in that business because uh, Pinkabella happened after my kids got here, but um, a house cleaning service I had for 20 years. Oh, wow. And I had paid, you know, taxes, had an accountant and my accountant believed on this loophole that I was owed some money from the IRS. I had no idea how much the money was. Hmm. He just said he was going to fight for it because I, I was, I had overpaid and there was a loophole, but I never really asked about it because he said, you probably will never see it, but it's worth the fight. And about six months into the process, Oh no, it was right after we brought our kids home. It was, okay. we got home from Guatemala and we had a check in the mail from the IRS for $52,000. And, and we were like, oh, did this really even happen? Just, does the IRS ever really pay anybody back? And, and wow. we, we got paid. So we were able to pay off our credit card and it covered a lot of costs that we had for um, oh, that is and, amazing. Yeah. So oh. God's been good to us. He's provided even in moments when things seem tough. He's always, he always comes through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of tough, we have just been through a year and a half that has been devastating to so many and in particular small businesses. So what has that been like for you and wh- where are you now? What's it was super tough. We didn't think we were going to make it mm-hmm. at all. Um, and we did end up closing a couple stores. You know, it's crazy that when you put your faith and trust in God, which we did, we spent a lot of time truly mm-hmm. on our knees, Yeah, like praying, asking God for provision, um, asking for his will really. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, we were a little struggling with everything that was going on around here. And so we thought we're, we're going to move. I mean, we're going to close up shop because we're not going to make it and we're going to move to Idaho. And oh, wow. so we, yes, we found a house and we spent three months there thinking that's what we wanted. And we kind of looked at it like a time of, we were in a really good place because you could do anything online. We were doing our work online. Our, our kids were doing school online and we kind of thought they're not with their friends anyway. This would be no better time to move. And really for us, it seemed like a financial move because mm-hmm. what we could sell our house for here and buy there just seemed like we'd be fine. Yeah. Be okay. Yeah. Because the biggest thing we worried about with business is if I'm not getting paid, 
we can't stay in Kirkland. We can't mm-hmm. live where we live. And mm-hmm. so we started exploring, but um, God again had other plans and we started going to a church plant, a small church that was meeting. The first Sunday, Doug was out of town and I went, um, I called my husband. I said, you have to go. And he goes, okay, are they going to ruin it for me? Because we're moving. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so uh, Doug attended the next week and he's like, yeah, they ruined it for me. We felt <laughs> really called to stay here and do the work of God, whatever, whatever that was. We hmm. didn't know but because our church doesn't have a building, mm-hmm. um, we've opened our home and five nights a week, every other week, we have all the small groups meet here for wow. all their different groups. And so we just really feel connected and, um, like we're supposed to be there through this mm-hmm. transition. Mm-hmm. So we're here, we didn't move and business is doing really well now. Huh. Um, we did end up closing two stores. As I said, things just got really good, but But in that time, during that time, I mean, I was, I I say I was selling cupcakes in a van down by the river. I was prepackaging cupcakes and we were going into neighborhoods that were doing the food truck thing Uh and they would invite you in. And I was selling prepackaged cupcakes. Well, people would get their savory and then they get their dessert. And we just ended up going around to multiple neighborhoods and selling Uh tons of cupcakes and so that really, really, wow. us, to be honest, wow, yeah, oh, that's so creative. Yeah, it yeah. was, it was yeah. awesome. Oh, that's wonderful. So you must have learned so much through this time. Is there anything in particular that God's been teaching you that you'd want to share? I think what I've learned the most is never underestimate God hmm. and the power of prayer. It's Uh, funny how I feel like we often say, all I can do is pray. hmm. But honestly, that is, prayer is our most powerful weapon. So to say, all I can do is, it is the thing that we need to do. It is what we are called to do. And for me, praying isn't all I can do. It's everything I have to do. Uh And, um, I just, I really believe that. And I feel like my husband and I both were talking about this the other day from a spiritual standpoint, we've grown so much this last year. And Mm. I I mean, I already thought we had a really good marriage, but we're better than ever. Like Uh, things are just Mm. so good because we're so connected at the heart of God right Mm. now. Hmm. that I think it just draws you in and, and it's been really good for us. That's so beautiful. I yeah. love that. That what a great lesson. Well, how can we pray for you and your sweet family at this point? Well, we're, we're, we've got kids transitioning and growing uh-huh. up and uh-huh. the kids that I really honestly believed would be home forever are flying the coop and <laughs> talking marriage. And so oh my gosh. We're, we're in a new season, which I'm super excited about all of it. I love mm-hmm. both of my kids that are in serious relationships. I, I couldn't choose better for them. So mm. we oh. love that. And we love that all of our kids are really walking with the Lord. I would say the biggest thing for me right now is I I have a daughter who just became a freshman in high school. So really it's just praying for our kids and yeah. as they navigate through school and, yeah. and their environment. 
All right. Well, and we can extend that prayer to so many kids and young people because this this time that we've been in, I think, has been especially hard on like teenagers that that age and up through young adulthood. It's this that season of life that you're supposed to be in all these relationships and doing things and camps and all of it got shut down. So it's a we will pray that for you and extend that prayer to all kids and young adults trying to navigate through this time. Yeah, Margo. I think I've been hearing a theme too, like you said, with people talk about how um, their kids are struggling in college. And I think it's just yes. because yeah. they've been home. They've been with their family and yeah, there's an attachment now. And maybe that, maybe it's a good thing. Like a lot of my friends, kids that went off to college are like, they're calling, they want to come home, they're crying. Yeah, they're and struggling. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of that too. So yeah. we will take your great learning, your advice and be on our knees because thank it's, you, Karen. it's the best thing we can do. And thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Take Root podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share. To learn more about Centered and hear more stories of discovery and growth in Jesus, visit us at centered.org.